Hello everybody out there, the Science Shared Podcasts, nice to have you with us again. Um, this is Nick, of course, um, and I just wanted to let you know what we're going to be talking about this week. Well, first of all, for those of you who may not have listened to the podcast before, um, welcome to the Science Shed. Um, this is a podcast um, where me, uh, I'm Nick Evans, and Steve Lee who's my friend and colleague um, at Cambridge University. I work at Southampton University. We chat about various things that have happened to us as academic scientists working at universities. So we talk a little bit about science uh, and we talk a lot about just random stuff that generally happens to us as we go about our daily lives as scientists. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, listen on. If you're not, maybe you won't want to listen any further. Anyway, um, this week uh, we're going to be talking about my recent trip to see a colleague in Vienna, um, some of the science that uh, my colleague does, and also um, why I had to get naked as part of this excursion. We're also going to be talking a bit about Steve's obsession with finding out whether he has any genetic abnormalities um, with a new uh, test, fairly new test that you can do. You can spend some money on it. So he'll tell you all about that and what he found out was wrong with him. Um, Very shocking. Anyway, um, that's about all I want to say. So let's rack it up. So cue the music. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting? Hello, everybody. It's Nick here. And Steve here. Uh, We're in Steve's flat again. Back back in my flat. You can probably tell by the amazing acoustics. It's basically like listening to Radio 4, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, a bit like Desert Island Discs. Um... I'd like to be on Desert Island Discs. Well, if if the podcast is successful as I think it's probably going to be, I wish you were as nice as the lady who presents Desert Kirsty Island. Young. Yeah, she's with that nice. kind of sexy Scottish accent, and she's really good and knowledgeable and like lovely lady. <sighs> How dare you? I'm good and knowledgeable. Oh, I'd get rid of you in a second, <laughs> Kirsty Young. Yeah, it's nice to be here, and I'm all full up of. Um, uh, Japanese food. Yeah, we just went out for sushi, didn't we? I've never done that before. I took my food off the revolving conveyor belt. You really liked it, didn't I? I saw the little, I did little glint was, in your eye. You to liked start with, I was a bit uncomfortable with it, and we ordered some food. And th- But then there was a couple of times I caught myself without even thinking. I just went, oh, I like that, and picked it off. Straight away. And ate it without you know even looking at the colour of the bowl either, which tells you how much it is. That's how crazy I'm feeling today. <laughs> You've got chocolate in your mouth, haven't you? you <laughs> That's why Nick sounds like he can hardly talk. I bought some chocolate back, didn't I, you from did. my travels? You've just been away, haven't you? Yeah, I went to Vienna. Oh, Vienna! <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Yeah, a bit yeah. of Vienna. So I went there because I've got a, um, a colleague who works at the Technical University of Vienna. Right. And I went to visit him. Just for scientifically or just to see how he's doing? Well, we went, I went there for scientific reasons, but right. I have to say it coincided with a football match. Right. Wales versus Austria. 
Wales in is Vienna. And you're, of, you're a Welshman, aren't you? Uh, you'll, you'll have noticed, yeah. regular listeners, my surname is Evan. <laughs> yeah. You'll also notice that my accent is not of the Welsh variety. No. But I am Welsh. I was born in Wales, and my family's all Welsh. Do you support Welsh, uh, um, like, so rugby, obviously? Rugby, I'm very Football. much a Wales supporter. I'm more of a British person, I think, than a fundamentally Welsh person. But right. I'm definitely... I support Wales yeah. when they play England, so I think that must mean that I'm more Welsh. You're more Welsh than English. I think it was people giving me a load of crap when I was at school for being having carnal relations with 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 sheep and things like that. It kind of well, pushed very, me pushed very, me further away. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, okay, so you're in you're in Vienna. I'm in Vienna. So was there, was there lots of Philip lots invited of... me for a talk, but it also he knew that the the football was on, so yes. we we did some collaborative kind of. Worky things, as well as having a nice social occasion. Fantastic! When I was there, was there stayed lots, of, lots of other Welsh people there. Lots of oh, yeah. red dragons flying. All so we went the on the went on the plane, and there were some drunken Welsh people. Yeah, there was one guy on the way back. I was amazed he got on the plane. To be honest, was so drunk he could barely stand up, and he had a nosebleed. He had loads of tissue sticking out his nose. He kept dropping bits of blooded rag on the floor wow. of the airport. But they still let him on the flight. That's I was always just, good to know. I was just singing. I'm just hope I'm not sitting next to that dude. Right. But anyway, so yeah, so I'll tell you about um, Phil. Phil's a um, he's a physicist by background. He works on AFM, atomic force microscopy. Exactly right. So for people that don't know what AFM is, it's basically you get a very very small needle and you rest it on surfaces, and you can do one of a, you can do a number of things. But often what you do is you sort of drag the needle over the surface, and when it does that, it moves a very very small degree. And because it moves, you can measure the shape of the surface of things which have a very, very small, you know, nanometer size. Even sub-nanometer. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you can, you know, you can find out the, the surface properties of something, the shape of the surface. It's and it's famous, a there's, a famous, there's a famous picture that people did when they first invented, or near they first invented, when they, they wrote, they, they moved things around using FM and then they, they made a picture of... Um, they I think MIT, I think Copper atoms, didn't they, on, or, uh, <coughs> on the surface. Yeah, so he does that, but a lot of what he does, he's. you can also use AFM to measure how squashy or hard things are. So you prod, you know, if you want to find out how soft something is with, with you know, yourself, you push it with your finger, right? Yeah. So you push a table, it's quite hard. You push a plate of jelly, it's quite soft. You see something that you don't quite know how firm it is. <laughs> I think you're like condescending the, list, the listeners here. That if you push jelly, it's a bit soft. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about other things you could push to feel how firm they are. Oh, Nick. <laughs> but yeah, so you, you, you find out by touching stuff. Oh, this is important. Right. And so with an AFM, it's just that, but on a really, really small scale. So, right, in biology, it's important how hard or soft things are. Like, it can affect what they do. One of those things is bone. People get older, their bones get softer, okay? Yeah. And the properties of that can affect whether they break more often than not. So if you want to analyse that and find out how, like, some treatment affects the strength of your bones, you can measure it using AFM. So you just push the surface. So of bone. you're kind of quantifying <clears throat> it rather than saying it's a bit soft like jelly. But yeah, you, you, actually, put a number you, on you it. actually put a number on it. And you can say something's seven soft and something's eight yeah. soft. Yeah. But you can do that in a big machine. So you can take a piece of bone and you can just squash it in a vice. And you can yeah. measure how much force it takes to move it a certain amount. And the, the relationship between how much force you apply and how much it squashes is called its stiffness, right? Or its modulus, yep. Young's modulus. Everyone's done that spring experiment in school when you dangle weights. Yeah, when you go past. It's the same thing. 
But with the AFM, you can do it on a much, much smaller scale. And so Philip, what he does, he looks at individual proteins. So, for instance, he's interested in collagen. Right. So collagen is a, um, uh, it's a, a fiber which is found in your, your skin and your bone. And if you look at it under a very high-powered microscope, it looks like ropes. Right. Long bundles of ropes, okay? And they can give a, um, a material, an elasticity. Right. So Just something like... like your skin, you know, your skin, if you fully, it goes back to where it was originally. Yeah. Because it's elastic. Um, and obviously that changes with age as well. So the properties of collagen are important to a lot of things in biology. But it's incredible. What he can do is he can put his little... It's like a record player needle, basically. It's like right. a tip, often made of diamond. Yeah, not always. It's normally silicon, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And yeah. you can put um, you can, you can put glass it. on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you can do all kinds of things. So he prods collagen yeah. and measures how stiff individual fibers of collagen are. That's cool. So is he pulling them apart or is he just squishing? So they also do that. I better be tapping mode or I can't tell because some of it's unpublished, so I can't actually divulge it. But right. a lot of it's to do with measuring how stretchy individual fibers are That's in relation. Cool various things so that's cool it kind of reminds me of it so we uh kind of uh, do a little bit of work but we kind of collaborate with people that use single molecule force microscopy so that kind of works in a similar way but rather than pushing you're pulling so what you do there is you take a single protein molecule and you attach it the top and the bottom to essentially a, an optical trap but you could do it with an afm as well mm. and then what you do is you like pull it apart and then what happens is that if you can imagine so a protein anyone that doesn't know is this kind of long chain of amino acids that fold up to form a complicated three-dimensional shape and when it does that bits of the protein kind of stick more strongly than others and that's how it defines its shape which ultimately is how it works so you can imagine if you held the top and the bottom of this and you pulled it out because it is a long string mm. at some point those bits unzip and when they do that you can you can fit that to what's called the worm-like chain model and you can then look back at the linear um structure of the protein you can work out which bits unzipped at which point so when you when you plot a force times extension you see this kind of extension for a bit and then it rips yeah, yeah. and then it rips again and you get this kind of sawtooth pattern yeah. so it's, it's like a, when you pull your if your lawnmower cable gets tangled up yeah give it a pull sometimes and, it and goes other times on, like oh no it's a yeah, knot there exactly but you can do and that and then it might you might suddenly really like yeah, that and it all goes in one go yeah, that's so pretty cool so you do that on a protein you level. can do that on a single so protein you level so philip's you can... doing the similar things with collagen fibers oh so that's cool you can look at um how they how the collagen fibers interact with each other right which is important in things like the structure of bone because mm -hmm. bone is basically made of collagen but in amongst the collagen there's little crystals of mineral mm -hmm. and the crystals of mineral prevent the collagen moving that's relative why we're not all floppy that's one why your bone's stiff and right. your, your skin is soft you've got mineral in your bone but in your collagen your skin you don't you can actually mineral you can make your skin mineralized oh, by just cool. putting one enzyme in it yeah so, so your you skin turn, is very you similar us, to your you bone turn into, you can turn to a bone man but it wouldn't be very nice and there's actually horrible diseases when people get um epif you know osteo it basically pieces of bone forming in places they shouldn't like in yeah, your that sounds painful muscles. it's a really debilitating disease so this is a lot of the reasons why people want to understand it yeah. so they how did the experiments go did they go well didn't do any experiments oh you're just talking about <laughs> just talking shop right 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 yeah, but yeah you're gonna do done some, some experiments we've done some previously right okay oh, that's cool yeah, yeah. so when i was in austria as well it's pretty cool because we went to the football yeah so i met some of philip's friends Okay. In Vienna as well. Right. And um, he's got some nice friends. Okay. We went to the football. We had a nice time. Are they scientists? No, one of them's a music. Oh, yeah. One of them's a scientist. Right. A guy called Patrick at 
he's at King's College. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Um, and his uh, the, his other friend was a musician called Herbie. Right. Yeah. Who I, I think we should. Herbie's a great name for a musician. Oh, and he's got his music's excellent. Is it? Yeah. I list so Philip played me some in the car, and I'm going to definitely buy one of the CDs now. It's kind of like CD. Who buys CDs? People, old people like me. <laughs> you buy CDs? I'd never buy an electronic music. I'd buy you a physical. Bu- you buy CDs? I'd either when buy was the last s- time CD? You, what was the last CD you bought? I just had one delivered the other day. You're joking? No. I like CDs. You buy CDs? I like having a physical object wow. that I can manipulate with my hands. I'm old-fashioned like that. I'll, I'll always buy a CD or a, I often buy LPs these days because I'm right. a record player. Yeah. But yeah, I always buy a CD. Anyway, I'm going to buy some music of some variety. Cool. From Herbie. From Herbie. Yeah, so it's cool. So we had a nice time. So I got into the Austrian culture. Right, beer. Basically, before football, you just buy cans off the street and you have a can of lager and then you so go... So wander in the street just with a can just, of lager. There's a guy with like a little shop. Well, no shop, a wheelbarrow. Right. And then he's some, got some, some cans, <laughs> tinnies. What? So we just stood around outside well, the Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. A dude's just outside with a wheelbarrow. Pretty much, yeah. selling, cans. selling cans of Fosters to Why don't they do that in England? <laughs> It'd make life so much easier than queuing right. at a bar and a pub fridge. Anyway... So I had a nice time and we had we had a good time at the football and I saw a bit of Vienna, which is a nice city. I've never I felt like nice... I missed out on the culture because it's <laughs> famous for like Beethoven, Mozart. And you were just drinking <laughs> beer out of a wheelbarrow. Yeah, yeah, the f- watching Wales play. <laughs> so that was fun. And then the next day um, I went to the Technical University of Vienna, which is nice. And I had a look at Philip's Batcave, which I've already tweeted, actually. So you can see that. On All right, I didn't see that. Yeah, I've tweeted it. Um, he's got this thing. It's in in an old building. It's underneath these arches. It's like a railway. It's like it's, it's like some kind of evil kind of science wow. lab. Well, it's well, a pretty well, cool well, place. Cool. So and actually, it, it's a bat cave. Yeah, it's cool. And also, um, we were there, and he uh, he we went. He took me for a cycle ride in yeah. the afternoon because we we met originally through mountain biking. Uh, okay, really. So we went mountain biking in the afternoon, and afterwards, um. He's got a nice house mm. in Vienna. He's got a sauna in his house. No. Yeah. He didn't get in the sauna, did you? Well, <laughs> yes, so I'm a, I'm a British reserved man. And Philip's an Austrian man. All right. And it was suggested that we have a sauna. To get, to so I was like, oh, it'd be nice. Yeah, yeah it'd be lovely. After being cycling. Yeah. Going but you're, sauna. you're thinking like a kind of get like, the swimmers on. like a middle class kind of like hotel spa kind That's of sauna, sort of right? Thing. Like maybe maybe like swimmers long, you know, like wearing like a robe. It was very clear that nudity was the order of the day. I couldn't do it. Nick. So I was in the sauna naked <laughs> with, with Philip. What? Just you and Philip? Me and Philip oh alone in a sauna. <laughs> We must sound so immature. You get naked. Are you just sat there like, what? What? What do we talk about? I just wonder. Well, how should I sit? I mean, should I sit with my legs apart? And should I lie down and sort of lift one leg up in a sort of kind of like quite demure way, so that like you can't see my? How do I? I bet you must be so self-conscious. Well, I'm. To be honest with you, I'm. I'm very much uh, happy with personal nudity right mind it. i like to get naked well but with with one other friend well that that was an obstacle that was a mental block that i had to get right. over so you feel it's a challenge that you you you, can, you rose to the occasion for it doesn't matter how literally it doesn't matter how many children someone's got how long they've been married do you know yeah, what i mean there's some... always a hang-up <laughs> in the british because we've got very small puerile minds right, compared with european and all the other europeans think this it's is like, perfectly going, normal what are like, you know, you're talking what about i do not understand why you're talking about this it's totally normal 
in those countries as well they go in a sauna like maria my um uh my girlfriend my long-term partner we've been together 10 years at the end of this month have you congratulations yeah, thank you anyway she's swedish and in sweden people hang around it's love being naked in scandy can you imagine hanging around with a bunch of mates male and female with, thinking, we're gonna have a sauna is this your way of asking me if we want to have a sauna <laughs> But they'll sit that around. Never they'll go going in a, to happen. They'll go in a sauna nuddy. And I'm thinking about my friends from school and like, you know, yeah. girls and boys. The idea of us all taking our clothes off and just sat and there having with a, a glass sauna, of wine or whatever. It's not an option. <laughs> it's never going to happen. I'd like it to be an option. <laughs> <laughs> so I could have a look. But it's not an option. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird, wouldn't it? So yeah, we had a sauna and then, it, yeah, it was good. <laughs> nice trip. <laughs> good, Invite good, me back, good. Philip. Don't invite me. So DNA, Nick. Um, do not. Doesn't matter. D- no, deoxyribonucleic acid. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Um, What's I've heard of that. <laughs> That's yeah, something quite to do with chemistry. What well, isn't everything, Nicholas? Isn't everything? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I uh, so I had my. There's a company called Twenty Three in Me. I don't know if you heard of it, Nick. And they um, they sequence your a bit of your genome. About there's about n- nearly a million what's called single nucleotide polymorphisms. So so they look at specific bits of your DNA in your genome, and then from that they can assign certain interesting facts about health and also about uh, uh, genealogy. So like where. Uh, where your both your maternal and paternal ancestors came from, and you can so, actually so your genome. There's about your genome's like a big, long list of code, yeah. and there's about six billion letters in that code, and you're saying amongst those six billion letters, there are a number of other letters which are changed so, slightly. So yeah, can... we're really really trying to at the moment, I suppose, the, the, we're really trying to understand how those six billion letters of instruction lead to a human being. And there are some instances where even like that so the your DNA is made of base pairs, there's four base pairs and and there are some instances where if one of those uh, changes then you can get a disease for instance or or you can have a high propensity for for a disease or you can actually it can tell you something you but can also single, use those so a single what's called a single nucleotide polymorphism is a one letter change and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a horrible disease i mean it can cause diseases like things like cystic fibrosis or other genetic diseases yeah. but a single nucleotide polymorphism it can like not do much that you'd notice, but it might increase your susceptibility to a disease. Yeah. And when you've got a combination of them, so like a, a bunch of them all together that you might know about, yeah. it can perhaps dramatically increase your chance of a disease. Although that I don't think that's kind of so the te- uh, the technology to develop to it. To, so 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 the the original human genome project took a decade and and was done based on technology developed by Fred Sanger, who was a uh, British biochemist uh, who worked in Cambridge um, and that was very slow but but worked and then uh, it's followed up by what's called next generation sequencing methods were actually developed in Cambridge also by one of my colleagues Professor so that, David Cleneman really that is he, and he's, your, he's kind of your advisor isn't he Cleneman yeah we very worked very closely together his, his lab and I and so they, they went down the pub once with uh, and they had a little chat and then they founded a company called uh, um, Selexa that was acquired by an American company called Illumina which now sells these um, these sequences. So if you so get the DNA sequence, so this is basically the technology is to put it simply, it allows you to read 
your letters extremely quickly. Extremely quickly, so and for us to be able to your... work out how my letters are different to yours. And so, yeah. so the instruction to make me is slightly different to the instruction to make you. Yeah. And and yours we, is quite a bit closer to a monkey than mine. Isn't a little it? bit closer. Actually, yeah. I'm, I've got. You can actually work out your percentage Neanderthal <laughs> DNA. Do you remember when we were in uh, America? And yeah. we went to have a meal, and you were wearing a T-shirt that said "97% chimp" on it, which I refers do. to the fact that we share 97% of our DNA with a chimp. And that almost got you into a fight with some. That's true. That fundamental was, dude. Yeah, they, they refused to serve me um, groceries in a, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a supermarket. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Oh, so I don't wear that. I t-shirt think they anymore. weren't. You notice today t-shirt. my T-shirt just, has nothing I think, on. I think they weren't looking at the T-shirt. They just looked at your my face. face. Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so DNA. So, so there's this company called 23andMe, which uses this Illumina sequencing technology, um, which for a relatively small amount of money will sequence, you know, a, a fraction of your genome that, that could be important. And they, they package it all up in a nice, easy uh, like web interface. You can get it on your smartphone. And it can tell you information about your propensity for diseases and also, like I say, about like, where your ancestors came from. So did you do it, Steve? I've done it. I've got the results. So first of all, I'm when I see these type of things, I'm a bit skeptical, and I think I've heard Why of Twenty Three and Me. I think I've heard of Twenty Three and Me, and I think they had to stop selling it for a while. They didn't. It was stop, Bobbins. Just, no, no, no. It wasn't because it was Bobbins. There was a there was a class action lawsuit which is finished now, uh, which was which was unsuccessful, where people were claiming they found out their increased risk of diseases, and they were suing the company because they didn't like the answer, right? And uh, so they didn't win then. They didn't win, no. So, so now, so now, if you for a while they didn't tell you the disease risk, they just told you about your, you know, your the your ancestral information. All right, so they're legit. They're totally legit. So, what did you find out, Steve? Um, Are you a monkey? Well, we're all monkeys, Nick. Not really. Uh, um, Technically, we're apes. Yeah. Solipsism to call a monkey an ape. I apologise. Um, yeah. So uh, you find you find so I think so it's, it was interesting. So I, I found so they can sequence your maternal DNA. So which goes. Uh, so we have mitochondria, uh, which produce energy in our cells, and actually, uh, evolutionarily, they used to they that they have their own DNA, which is passed along the maternal cell line. So actually, you can sequence DNA, find the so DNA. So what you're trying to say, you're saying that you you have a little bit of DNA in your cells, which you only get from your mum. You only get from your mum yeah. exactly, and That's so you can, so you can work out DNA yeah, thing, so you can work out like where my mum came from. Yeah, but that's and my, like where a, my dad came it's from. It's kind of like a neat little trick for finding out. A, bit more accurately about your origins isn't exactly it? so it so, doesn't matter so much about you know what what it is it's more just a trick for finding out another way is the y chrome that's right yeah so they're tricks for finding out more easily where you've come from so you there are some so, so for instance i know that my fifth chromosome is french so See, i think that's bull so they say that people that have this uh so, <laughs> fifth so, chromosome is not french it is God, get out so of there's, there's 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 a series of uh mutations that are found predominantly how long in has france. france existed well from that region where currently france is right? right okay um and you can also learn things like so i know i have uh what's called i didn't know i had this but i have a, a thing called um uh, Leiden syndrome or factor five syndrome which is a mutation in thrombin which is a protein that cl- that stops your blood clotting so when you get a cut you have your platelets come along and they start to clot which stops it's like hemophilia is a good example of a cl- blood clotting disease yeah and so but there's a second protein that comes in and obviously you don't want to keep that clotting because right. obviously then you'd end up with a big stroke everywhere because your blood would continually right. clot so there's a second protein called thrombin that comes along and i've got a mutation in that protein in, in my genome that when 
I, when I express that protein, it's slightly different. And so I have a much increased risk of uh, DVT than you do, probably. Is um, that where you walk, why you walk around with those kind of fishnets? tights and all suspenders. the time no that's a separate reason but i just do that <laughs> the weekends thing um no so so i kind of know that and you can it's really it's really interesting to kind of look at uh you know you, you can other people can choose to share that information i don't want to bloody know to be honest do you know what this is really interesting so i tell people i've done this and i get about 65 percent of everyone i tell says oh my god why would you want to know right mm. and and it's and on some level they're right because no one ever funds research that encodes for the gene for happiness it's all bad news it's always heart disease or lung disease or you know cancer or alzheimer's disease or something they're always because that's what people fund research into and they look at correlations genetic correlations between people that have those diseases uh, and their propensity for that disease but you can also it's really empowering because you can know things like uh you can know, you know it's the first step i think towards kind of personalized medicine to know that you know for instance you can have uh, mutations in uh, so a very common blood thinner is a company is a is a uh, is a drug called warfarin and there's a there's a very well known single snp snip uh that leads to you metabolize warfarin about uh 25 times slower which i don't have but about 20 percent of the population does so if you have a stroke when you walk in they will administer warfarin and if they, when they give it to this 20 percent of people the, the warfarin will uh, will not be effective on that twenty percent of people. They need they need a dose five times higher in mm. order for it to be effective. And when you're having a stroke, they don't have time to do a blood test to test whether you do it. So knowing that prior to you ever being in that situation is actually quite useful, right? Uh, and it's just it's just finding out a little bit more about you. So do you think that you might get like, let's say, you go to hospital? There's that. all these things. Could you have a barcode on your neck? Or one of them, what they Why call Q code things. QR codes, yeah. So they scan you and they think, don't they think oh, don't guy. give this dude warfarin. Yeah, yeah. You can tell things about, you know, your propensity for eye color, uh, you know, obesity, uh, you know, uh, like I say, all these kind of certain diseases. Um, but and, and also you can find about, you can do things like you can share information if you wanted to meet your extended family. So what they do is have a map view. And you can say, okay, this, this person is dude. probably your fifth cousin or your third cousin or your I've cousin. enough. Family. Isn't it interesting though? You like you you are skeptical, and I'm saying if I'm saying from spitting in a tube, you could work out whether someone was your cousin or not, right? Right, you know, and then you could work out that you share you know their grandmother do that, or something. You know, they do that kind of thing in Iceland, right? Okay, so they have a relatively small population. Well, they have it. Well, in Iceland, is a, there's only three hundred thousand of them. They're better than England at football, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. they they um they they basically because they're they're interrelated. They're they're all. There is there's kind of genetic information on all of them because people have done genetic studies. Yeah. And there's an app on the phone, and people who are in a bar in Iceland, I think, oh, we get a bit jiggy. Yeah. With, uh, with this, uh, this this gentleman here, yeah. or this or lady, lady, yeah. And they can touch smartphones and find out whether or not they're cousins and whether they have like. Wow. So they find out to start with. Because there's lack of just genetic diversity. Yeah, I know from they so don't my mum because they get there's a there's a higher frequency of genetic diseases in inbred populations, so they want to avoid that. My um, so my, I know Same my, with Jew, my Jewish, mum, some Jewish populations. So I don't know how engaged they are in that sort of thing. But. Yeah, less less smartphoney. Um, my mum, my mother's ancestors came across from northern Spain during the last ice age, and I know that from spitting in a tube, because yeah. she has a mutation which is only found in northern bits of of Spain, and uh, there was an there was an ice bridge between that part of uh, Spain and uh, and the UK, and that's how they think they they were kind of migrated, and so yeah. we know that from spitting in a tube. Isn't that nuts? It, well. Hmm. I mean, I'm. I remain somewhat skeptical about Why the conclusions skeptical? you can draw because I don't trust experts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm good. like Michael Gove. <laughs> I'd want to. I mean, 
you, people make all kinds of hyper, hyperbolic claims about tracing genetic ancestry. But yeah, I mean, it certainly is a, it's a probabilistic uh, thing. There's a know. book I read a while ago called Blood of the Isles. It's actually yeah. over on my bookshelf somewhere. But that's about that particular, you know, um, way of... You, you can look yeah. at the UK population and you can find out where different groups of people originated from. But it's kind of, you know... It's you can actually choose the relative level of uh, speculation in it. So you can say... Like, be very conservative with the decisions you yeah. make. And I, and I kind of know, it's actually really, it must be quite interesting if you're from the US, for instance, a country of immigrants, or mainly composed of immigrants, I should say, uh, that you would be interested in knowing your kind of ethnic well, this background. Well, this is why I think there's such a massive market for it. Well, it said, because Americans are nuts on that type of thing. And you've got a market, <laughs> 300 million people, and they're all going, oh, gee, I'm related to Henry VIII, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> and uh, whenever you go to the States, and I'm uh, making a gross generalisation, yeah. but they are interested. They say, oh, yeah, my... My my grandfather was is Welsh from England or whatever, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, and I'm related. They'll tell you things like, yeah, yeah no, I'm related to um, um, Henry the Henry the <laughs> Henry the Third, you know. And um, yeah, no, I agree. And it's happened. You know, a guy I used mm. to work with. He touched one of the first things he told me. Yeah, so of I think the market for that sort of thing is so. so I, I the market for that sort of thing is so huge yeah. that the the you know the bucks that you can make through kind of indeed bigging indeed. something up but what i would say is it's not a lot of money it's a hundred dollars right yeah. um and from that say for instance in the u.s system right say you want to, you can do things like you can work out whether you have a you're allergic to gluten for instance right like there's a genetic like um, you, you bloody know if you're allergic to gluten because you have celiac disease i know but i'm saying if you have celiac disease you can actually if you just had that test and you're in the u.s and you went to yeah. the doctor it would probably cost about a hundred bucks yeah, yeah right yeah. so you might as well get nine hundred thousand other bits of information yeah i mean that's true i mean i i do i some people, I suppose, they may have symptoms of celiac disease, but not actually realise they've got it. Yeah. So it might, you know. So, so it's really, I think it's really exciting. It kind of moves towards us towards a kind of more uh, personalised medicine, and actually people taking kind of ownership of their I, well, own I think, genes. I do think that's a good thing, and I think people, you know, taking care of their own health is good. I mean, definitely yeah. in, in diseases like um, things like diabetes, yeah. it, empowering yourself makes you more aware and controlling of how you Absolutely. of how you deal on a day to day basis with, with diseases. But also diagnoses sometimes diagnoses of a possibility are not always helpful. I agree. And I mean there's things there's cost benefit analysis of screening and things like that. Because yeah. you can screen a load of um a load of people for cancer like breast cancer for instance mm -hmm. and because of the specificity and the sensitivity so that's kind of how many false positives you get yeah. you can do more harm than good yeah. by doing the diagnoses because the diagnoses are not necessarily accurate so i think that although it's fun and i think it does have in many cases like real benefit i think it's you've got to be a little bit careful with it i think with anything you should you should be skeptical <laughs> yeah. um, but if you can if you can do it and have a chat with your mates in the pub about being like 80 percent neanderthal then you know. actually i'm uh 2.9 percent neanderthal which is in the 90th percentile so of neanderthal dna <laughs> so i am as they come i'm as cro magnon as it comes really. oh, which you can uh, tell by this beautiful brow ridge right up here it's you and your massive head <laughs> So, and like, I remember when we, you all say, oh, you may not know this, listeners, but Steve has a party trick. He, he can fit, oh God. was it 28? I can't remember exactly. About 28 or 32 marshmallows in his mouth. We were drunk one night with a bunch of other people, some French people, a couple of Americans. All and scientists, we had a, we how many marshmallows can you fit in your mouth? And I destroyed the competition. 28 to 32, and you almost choked. I did, but I, but but I, won, it was worth I, it, I, won, I won the competition, though, didn't I? <laughs> Steve, I manned up. Marshmallow eating champion of California. 
Shit! Come on, Steve! Bunsen! Burner! Dolly! Shit! Internal! Combustion! Why do we need? Petri! Dishes! Oscar! Bay. Isaac! Newton! Transplanting! So the site shed is over. Bosh! He's <laughs> in the back. Yeah. Um, uh, it was another one. It's a good one. Did you enjoy it this week? I did. It was fun. Um, I always like talking to you, Steve. Where Where should we... You know, we've been doing these things in kind of like, kind of all over London in your flat. Where should we, should we do it? Some from? I want to do a mobile one. We I can do, do it, it yeah, on the, the road. Mics. We can take it on the road. Well, I thought we could go and look at something exciting. Yeah, you want to like commentate on some scientific... Walk around somewhere that's relevant to oh, us. Oh, that would be good. To, uh, we could go back to the uh, Greenwich Village where you could, so we could see how Greenwich the Harrison... Greenwich Village, Pops. New York. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> you mean the, uh, the, the Maritime Museum? Yeah, in Greenwich. Yeah. Um, and we could look at the, the Harrison Royal Clock. Observatory. Yeah. yeah. Or we could go to the institute, the Royal Institution, or the science. We could go in the Science Museum. That's a good idea. We could, but you just have a constant <laughs> screaming kids in the that, background. But they have like late people night going. Ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. Yeah, but um, it's worth a try. All right. Well, we'll give it a go. Well, in the meantime, get in touch with us. Yeah, please do. I'm um, on Ev- the Evans Lab on Twitter, and I'm uh, Steve the Chemist, and we're on SoundCloud. We are the Science Shed. I'm not sure exactly what the URL is. And Steve's put us up on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube too. So um, enjoy that and we'll look forward Maybe to catching sh- up. Should we do other social media? Should we have an Instagram feed or something? If you can be asked, Steve. Yeah, I just can't be bothered. <laughs> We've got Twitter. We can put photos up in there. Oh, fine. All right. Bye.